Thank you for listening to this sermon from Seven Springs Presbyterian Church. If you want to learn more about us, please find us on Facebook or visit us at sevenspringspresbyterian.com. A gracious Father, we give you thanks and praise that you have given to us your word, that in days of old you have written to us through the prophets, but your Son came and spoke to us. And as we read now your word, we pray that, that we would be the man, the wise man who builds our house upon the rock. Let us not build it upon the wisdom of the world, but upon the wisdom found in your word. Lord, lead us and guide us as we seek to be able to glorify you, to do what you have revealed in your word, as we look to be able to behold Christ and the glories which we are found in him. We pray that you would help us this very, t- this very moment through the work of the Holy Spirit, that our, our hearts would be enlightened, that our minds would be renewed by his work in our lives. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Hear now the word of the Lord from Jonah chapter 1 verse 17 to chapter 2 verse 10. This is God's holy, inerrant, infallible word. Please take heed how you hear And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I cried out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. Although your waves and your billows passed over me, then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall look again upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head and the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit. O Lord, my God, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you, into your holy temple. Those who pray regard, pay regard to vain idols, forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish and had vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. This week we find ourselves, as we continue through the book of Jonah, in, in what is, I think, quite an important part of Jonah that we is, was often overlooked. We often think about him being swallowed by this great sea creature, being vomited up by the great sea creature. But yet when we think about what happened within this belly of the beast, we often uh, fall in neglect. But as we look this week to be able to study this prayer, which is prayed in the belly of this great sea creature, we're reminded as we left off last week that we looked at how much we are like Jonah, especially when it comes to our prayer life or lack thereof. 
And we can learn a lot about Jonah and, and his prayer life, and so too in this passage. And last time we looked at the time, the timing of Jonah's prayer, the place of Jonah's prayer, the what of Jonah's prayer, and the who of Jonah's prayer. And this week we're going to spend a particular time in looking and unpacking the what of Jonah's prayer. What does Jonah actually pray in the belly of the great sea creature? Now, before we get to these three aspects of Jonah's prayer, I want to point out that I think it's something that we might often overlook. Now, we need to understand that Jonah is not an amateur when it comes to his theology. That Jonah would have been the top of his Sunday school class. He would have been able to recite all of the memory verses when they did VBS at his hometown in gath It was Jonah who would have been the first in line with the greatest attendance. It's not that Jonah did not understand God at all. However, we need to understand that Jonah did understand God and did understand the Bible. He knew the character of God. The truth is, he just didn't like it. And in this short prayer, we can see roughly about 40 cross-references to other psalms. Some have even pointed out how this prayer is similar to Psalm 18 or 2 Samuel chapter 22, how similar it is to Psalm 130. We need to understand that Jonah knew the Bible, he knew God. So you might even call this Jonah's Psalm. And when we think about prayer, we often have a great question of how we are to pray, that prayer is something that we need to grow in. The disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, and so too we must learn how to pray. And I think, sadly, we're often not very good at prayer. And I think often that is that we do not know Scripture. Therefore, we do not understand how to pray. But the Westminster Shorter Catechism in question 99 asks the question, what rule hath God given us in our direction in prayer? And the answer is the whole word of God is to, you, to be used to direct us in prayer. But we have a special rule of direction in the form of the prayer which Christ taught his disciples, commonly called the Lord's Prayer. So Jonah too is given us to be able to teach us and direct us in prayer. So what can we learn from Jonah's prayer in the belly of this great sea creature? Firstly, we see confession and repentance of Jonah's sin or his sin. The Jonah in this prayer speaks of his confession, his repentance of his sin. And we've seen this in our study, but I think this is the first time we see it really coming from his mouth. You might say that Isaiah's ministry began with confession and repentance as he beholds the thrice holy God as they cry out, the seraphim cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And then what is Isaiah's response? His response is, woe to me, for I am lost, I am a man of unclean lips, I am dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, that Isaiah begins his ministry with this confession and repentance. However, Jonah's ministry does not begin the same way. He hears the call to be able to go to Nineveh, but he runs in the opposite direction, fleeing to Tarshish. 
Jonah's confession doesn't begin at the first of his ministry, but rather in the middle. Jonah's confession comes from the depths of the sea. We see this in verse 2 where he says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress. It's an interesting phrase. I think if we're merely to read over it, I think we would say, of course you are in distress, Jonah. You are in the belly of a sea creature. We talk about stress and distress in our lives. I think this would definitely count as one of those moments. However, it's not merely that he finds himself in this distress. That as we read scripture, that scripture helps us to interpret scripture. But this is actually a word used to speak of the promises of God. Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 17. God says, then my anger will be kindled against them in that day and I will forsake them and I will hide my face from them and they will be devoured and many evils and troubles will come upon them so that they will say on the day, have not those evils come upon us because God of our God is among us. And here that word that many evils and troubles, that same exact word troubles is the same exact word where Jonah says out of these troubles, out of this distress, I call to the Lord. Whereas Jonah puts it in verse 4, I'm driven away from your sight. Or as he puts it, speaking of others in verse 8, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. We're in Deuteronomy 31, it continues in verse 21. This is the song of Moses. And when many evils and troubles, that same exact word that Jonah uses in distress, has come upon them, this song shall confront them as a witness. For it will live unforgotten in the mouths of their offspring. For I know that they are inclined to do even today before I have brought them into the land which I swore to give. And Jonah sits there in the belly of this sea creature. He does not seek to be able to blame anyone else, but he realizes that it is his running, his rebellion is the reason for his distress. But also notice that he understands God's hand in all of this as well. As we saw in Deuteronomy verse 31, that he says, my anger will be kindled against them. What does Jonah say in verse 3? That you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. And your waves and your billows passed over me. Now, we've read Jonah chapter 1. We know that the Lord did not throw him into the sea. It was the sailors who did this. But yet, Jonah understands the work of God's hand of discipline in his life. Even the fact that he says that it's your waves and your billows. As he told the sailors that I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. See again another connection to another psalm in Psalm 42. In verse 7 where it says, Deep calls to deep with the roar of your waterfalls. And your breakers and your waves have gone over me. But the psalm does not end in verse 7. It continues in verse 8 and says, By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and night his song is with me. 
a prayer to the God of my life. But here Jonah in the belly of this sea creature confesses his sin, repents. So to how would our prayer life grow if we were to apply this principle in our prayer life and spend time in confession and repentance? John Calvin says the beginning of repentance is the confession of guilt. We often think that we merely just want to cover our sin and pretend it never happened. However, confession is what brings it to light that we might actually truly cover our sin. The God already knows, but confession is good not is, is good for us. Not only that we speak it out, but as Richard Sibb puts it, the way to cover our sin is to uncover it by confession. The way to cover our sin is to uncover it by confession. And in our many attempts to try and cover it, and it does no such thing. But if we confess it, then we show that it is covered by Christ's blood. We take it to the cross. I think one aspect of our prayer, the prayer is confession, that we often not only confess, but we repent. We have a plea for forgiveness. Whereas Jesus taught us in his prayer to forgive us of our sins. Whereas A.W. Pink puts it, prayer is not designed for the furnishing of God with knowledge of what we need, but it is designed as a confession to him of our sense of need. How often do we think of prayer as the first? Knowing to God of what we need, rather a confession to him of our sense of need. Or as the famous hymn puts it, our You sin and heavy laden. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Sadly, I think this is an aspect of Protestant life that has been neglected and it comes from the Catholics' elevation of confession in which they elevated to a form of a sacrament. Now it's not then confession is unbiblical, it's the mode of confession or the method of confession where they elevate it to a sacrament, but also that their confession is taken to a priest, that they think the priest is some form of mediator. But we too, if we understand confession rightly, we do not take it to a priest, we take it to the priest, the great high priest, Jesus Christ, the one who mediates between God and man. I think in... Us as Protestants, we have minimized confession. The Catholics have elevated to a sense of where it should not belong, but and elevating the wrong people. But we too need confession in our prayer life. The second aspect of prayer that we can learn from from Jonah's prayer is deliverance and dependence from his Savior. We see God is the one who delivers. Jonah. Interestingly, he's praying this prayer from the belly of a sea creature. But as he is praying to God, he is not praying that God would deliver him from the belly of the sea creature. But he sees the sea creature as his mode of deliverance. He writes in verse 
5 and 6, The waters closed over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds wrapped about my head and the roots of the mountain. I went down to land whose bars were closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit. O Lord my God. That here he sees that at this moment he is still inside the beast. And yet he sees that as what is his mode of deliverance. He realizes that God is the only one who can save him, who can deliver him. As he utters at the very end of his prayer that salvation belongs to the Lord. As his prayer is turned to God, as he was one trying to flee from his presence, and yet he, is a, he knows that God is able to still hear his cry from the belly of the sea creature in the depths of the sea. An interesting thought as we pray and speak. We often think of it as a verbal exercise. Sometimes we might pray in our heads, but here Jonah is inside this great sea creature, under the sea. But he notices where his prayer ends up. In verse 7, that my prayer came to you in your holy temple. Jonah, who was once the full force of God's wrath poured out on Nineveh, is now asking for grace. Jonah, who deserved to die, is now seeking to live because of what God has done. If ever there's a picture of grace, we find it in the story of Jonah. Think of Jonah. As he finds himself in the ocean because of his own rebellion, he deserves wrath and death. Yet God shows him mercy by sending the storm. He shows him grace by sending the sea creature. What has Jonah done up to this point? Nothing but avoid God. He'll even accuse God. But it is a salvation that is found that is given by God. Before this moment, Jonah has done nothing. He has not prayed to be saved. He did not pray for a sea creature to come and swallow him up. He did not want to be saved, but he wanted to be thrown into the sea. However, somewhere there is a change in Jonah's heart. I believe he'd known that God is to be feared, but he did so neg- negatively. But there's no doubt that he knew God as his Savior and Redeemer. He fears God positively. As we saw last week, that throughout this psalm, the Lord, his God, in verse 6, the Lord, my God, The disgrace changed Jonah's heart. Or as the great hymn Amazing Grace says, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved." The last aspect of this prayer that we can learn 
from Jonah's prayer is worshiping gratitude towards his God. I often wonder what events do to change people. But it's through these events that, and experience, that often there are times that we grow as believers. That through the events of Joseph, as he's been sent away from his family at the age of 17 and lives those 14 years later that he sees he's appointed into the household of Pharaoh. That these 14 years are used to be able to grow and prepare Joseph to be able to carry out the task which he was called to do. Or Moses, who was called to be able to lead God's people. But only after a period of about 40 years of wandering in the wilderness himself as a shepherd in Midian. Or David, as once ready to be able to call, be the prince and shepherd of God's people. But it's only after a time of fleeing from Saul for years. Peter was then only ready to feed Christ's sheep after he had denied him three times. Paul was ready to preach the gospel after 14 to 17 years. Then he was set apart to be able to minister to the Gentiles. Jonah in this time is prepared now to truly carry out that task in which he is called to do to be able to go to Nineveh to be able to preach repentance to them. That Jonah through this event is a changed man. And he has a perfect sermon illustration for those in Nineveh. Thomas Watson said that Jonah was sent into the whale's belly to make his sermon for Nineveh. But Jonah, out of all of this, a changed man, you see Jonah in chapter 3, a different man from Jonah in chapter 1. Or as he puts it in verse 9, but with a voice of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. The sailors who were saved offered sacrifices to the Lord, but here in Jonah, as it says, that he will sacrifice to the Lord, that he made a vow to the Lord, just as the sailors did in verse 16. That Jonah has praise upon his lips. Now again, listen to Psalm 50 and see how much Uh, Scripture Jonah had in his mind as he's praying from the belly of this sea creature. Psalm 50, verse 14 and 15. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High. And call upon me in the day of trouble. And I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. The Jonah makes mention here of this vow that he makes to the Lord. Now, what was this vow? We do not know particularly. Was it before he started his voyage on the ship or was it one that came out of his mouth in the belly of this sea creature? We're not told. But we do see Jonah is willing to be able to complete what he said he would do. He 
The author of Hebrews in chapter 13 says, Through him let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips, that acknowledges his name. And here Jonah has made a sacrifice and, and praise to God, offering that he would do what he vows. But I think it is the final statement that rings true. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Again, Jonah here is quoting Psalm 3, verse 8. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. What's interesting about this verse is the context which it is quoted in the New Testament. The psalmist speaks of the blessing being on God's people. Jonah, who did not want to go to Nineveh because they were not God's people, he sent them to nations to be able to preach repentance. But that's exactly the context which is used in the book of Revelation. In Psalm chapter 3, it speaks of going to his people. Jonah speaks of going to uh, a foreign people. But what we see it is there in chapter 7 when all the nations are singing praise to God of the salvation which comes from God. Revelation chapter 7 verse 9 to 12. After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne, and all the elders and all the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And Jonah utters this, this, this phrase, salvation belongs to the Lord, not before a great multitude of people from every tribe, nation, and tongues. He, he quotes this, he says this in the belly of this sea creature. The Jonah is able to praise God from this inside of this sea creature with no promise that God would deliver him from outside of this. But he, he understands that he believes this prayer through faith. As he says, I shall look upon your temple in verse 4. Or in verse 9, I will sacrifice and I will pay the vow I have vowed to make. The Jonah does understand one thing. That it is the salvation comes not through the mouth of the prophet, but the seal of the Spirit. He understands that salvation is not up to man, but up to God. Salvation is God's gift to be given, not a payment to be earned. And as we saw last week, that we are more like Jonah than we might ever think or dream about. But it is through this that we understand when we see that we are more like Jonah than we see our need for prayer, but also our need and hope of salvation. We might not have tried to run 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. But we have avoided many of God's laws. 
We are just like Jonah in our disobedience and just like Jonah in our rebellion. And thus our prayers should be marked with these same three things. Our prayers should be marked with confession and repentance, deliverance and dependence, worship and gratitude. I think in this prayer we see one of the most beautiful images that we see and find in the gospel. Think about why Jonah spends three days and three nights in the belly of this sea creature. He is in this sea creature for his disobedience. But Christ, who spends three days and three nights, not in the belly of the sea creature, but the belly of the earth, is not there for his disobedience, but for our disobedience. Christ is in the grave for being obedient. As Romans chapter 9 says, As for one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by one man's obedience, the many were made righteous. That because of this prayer of what Christ has done, we too are with the angels and the the choir in all of heaven in Revelation chapter 7, being able to cry out, with that great multitude no one can number from every tribe and nation and peoples and tongues, with white robes and palm branches, crying out, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Do we see here this great prayer that we could learn a lot from? As we go to the Lord in our confession and repentance, as we cry out to the Lord for His deliverance and dependence upon Him, as we even go to Him in worship and gratitude for what He has done, we see that Lord answers His prayer in a strange way as we'll continue to look at next week. But He answers His prayer by having the fish vomit Him out of His mouth. But we'll look at that more next week. Let's go to the Lord in prayer now. Let us pray. O gracious and most merciful Father, we give you thanks and praise that you have given us your word to be able to direct and guide us in prayer, and particularly tonight as we learn from Jonah in chapter 2. Lord, we pray that our prayers would be shaped like Jonah's, that we would see this gospel message and this gospel hope even in the belly of this great sea creature. Lord, that we, you would help us to be able to confess and repent of our sins, bringing it forth, laying it down, uncovering it so that it would be covered by your blood. Lord, we pray that you would help us in prayer to be able to cry out for deliverance and realize our dependence upon you. But also, Lord, as we cry out with worship and thanksgiving, gratitude for how you have delivered us, as we look to our deliverance final yeah, through faith, Lord, that we realize that salvation does not belong to man, but is a gift from God and belongs to you, to whom you give it. Lord, let us live our lives and our prayer be shaped by this worship and gratitude unto you. We pray all of these things through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who dwelt 
in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights for our disobedience, but you're for being obedient to the Father. We pray in his precious and holy name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Seven Springs Presbyterian Church. If you want to learn more about us, please find us on Facebook or visit us at sevenspringspresbyterian.com. Seven Springs Presbyterian Church began in 1874 and is a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America located in Glade Spring, Virginia. Please join us for worship on Sunday at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. for His glory and His gospel.